minor adjustments, folks. The eyes are not what they used to be. Uh, all right. It hates me. It hates me. It's not. It's not going up. It's as good. That's as good as we're going to get. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. Oh, I know that looks really good on TV. That's good. All right. Uh, well, guys, uh, week one uh, of this series, we said, listen, God's goal for your life is transformation. Uh, God's goal for your life is transformation, kind of a, a foundational principle. Uh, last week, we said one of the ways that God wants to bring about that transformation is through worship, that God actually changes us through worship. And this morning, what I want to talk to you about is Bible study. And you go, what, what? Well, this is kind of how we do life here. We, we kind of have a system on, on what we believe will bring about the most transformation in a person. And uh, so we focus on these things. So we're walking through that, but we want to show the biblical basis for that. And so uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about Bible study, and it's very straightforward. I literally sat down Thursday, and I was like, really? That's, we're just going with two points, Lord. Okay, cool. We're just two points. So two points, that's it. You guys have a two-point sermon. You, you haven't had that in a long, long time. So uh, here we go. Two things I'm going to share with you, and here's the first. I want you to know that learning the Word of God is key to our spiritual growth and transformation. Learning the Word of God is key to our spiritual growth and transformation. Uh, now, I've chosen those words on purpose, okay? I use the word learning and, and not the word studying because there's a difference. There's a difference, right? So, so studying is part of how we learn. It's just part of it. Uh, but learning is, is much more encompassing. And so I wrote down the definition for learning uh, this week that learning is gaining skill or knowledge by studying, practicing, or being taught or experiencing something. Right? So it, it's studying, but it also involves practicing or being taught or experiencing something. And so what we want to say is, is listen, uh, learning the Word of God, doing all those things with the Word of God is key to our spiritual growth and transformation. And we know this because Jesus himself said so, right? Uh, we we, we kind of covered this in week one, but, but here he is praying for his disciples in John 17. And Jesus said, I've given them your word. Right? He's praying to his Father, I've given them your word. The world hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but do you protect them from the evil one? They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. And he says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Your word is the truth, right? And, and, and so, so we, we want to be very in, intentional about this, that Jesus makes this abundantly clear that the Word of God is key to our spiritual growth and to our, our change. That word sanctify, right? That's transform. That's spiritual transformation. That's what we're talking about. And so he says, listen, they're, they're going to be changed through the truth, and your Word is the truth, right? And, and, and this point can't be overstated that the Bible's crucial in this process of, of spiritual change, right? Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, one of my favorite scriptures, says this. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. The NIV would say God breathed, which is actually my favorite uh, version of that. But all scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the men of God uh, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so this morning, if we're going to talk about how important it is that we learn the Word of God, I think it's important that we kind of break down this scripture uh, for a second. And so uh, I, I just want to walk through it with you. So first of all, uh, Paul writes that it's profitable, right? It, it, it's profitable. It, it's helpful. Scripture is helpful, he says. It, it's really advantageous that, that you're in, in, in the Word, Paul writes. He says it's helpful for what? Well, it's helpful for teaching. 
That, that word actually could be translated doctrine. For every truth that we believe about God, that's what Scripture is for. Right? That's not what the books on the shelf at Starbucks are for or in your Amazon bin are for. But if you want to learn the truths about God and His kingdom, that's what the Bible is for. Right? It's where we get our doctrine. He says, so, so it's profitable, it's helpful, it's advantageous for that. He says it's helpful for rebuking. Right? For rebuking, that, that word actually, I know we, we feel like, well, that's somebody being mean to me. That's actually not what the word means. Uh, to rebuke actually means to test. Right? The Bible is helpful at testing the things that we believe about God. It, it, but, well, well, I just think God is just love. That's all He is. And the Bible goes, nope, God's also just. You go, oh man, this, this tension when I, when I read, right? Uh, the word uh, means conviction. The Bible is helpful at bringing about conviction in my life about wrong thoughts that I have about God or about sinful behaviors. Anybody else need conviction uh, in their life, right? Just, just the pastor, okay? There's three of you. Are, all the rest of you need some more coffee, um, right? Yeah, that's what Scripture does, which, by the way, uh, I, would, I would challenge you with this. Uh, if you're at a point in your life that you're like, I just don't want to read my Bible, maybe it's because you don't want that. Like, you know that that's part of the point. You're like, nope, just don't want that. Yeah, the Bible brings about conviction, right? Uh, it, it says that it's profitable for, for correcting. That's one of my favorite words. It, it means to restore back to straight, Right? To raise back up and restore back to straight. That's what correcting means. And when you think of, man, we, we fall all the time. I don't know about you, on a regular basis I mess up. I'm like, bloop, okay, woke up, bloop, right out of the bed. And the Bible, when I read the Word of God, it just picks me back up and it sets me straight, which is amazing, right? It, it has this ability to restore to an upright state, or, or it also means to improve my character. Paul writes, it's, it's profitable for training. Uh, the word, when it talks about a child, it means everything that you would teach a child in life. The whole counsel of, of raising a child, which is cool because the Bible says we're all spiritual infants, right? And, and we need all of that. But when, it, when it's talking about adults, that word means to cultivate the soul or, or to correct mistakes or to curb passions or to increase virtue. The Bible does all of that. Right? And ultimately, he says it, it's for that training is, is in righteousness. It does all that in righteousness. It means what's acceptable to God. The Bible, on a regular basis, teaches me what God wants of me, what God desires of me. It shows me what I've done wrong. It picks me up when I've fallen. It sets me straight, right? And, 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 and it, it trains me. It, it, it cultivates my soul. It's huge. It's huge. That's why we need it so much. That's why the Bible is so crucial. But here's what I want to say to you uh, this morning is you may be thinking, well, there's other things that can do that in my life too, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I read a lot of uh, self-help books and things that help me curb my passions. And, and, can, right? and you say, well, how, how's the Bible different from any of those, Pastor? Well, I, I tell you, it's different in two ways, okay? Uh, number one, it's different from any other self-help book you would read because it's actually true. All right? Because it's true. Now you say, wait a second, Pat. I read that book that that lady wrote, and it was really good. I read those books too. They're good, right? I, I like to change my behaviors from time to time. But none of that cures my deepest problem or your deepest problem because the Bible says that our heart is broken beyond repair, right? 
That's, that's our problem. We have a heart problem, not just a behavioral problem. Jesus says it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So every problem in your life that you're experiencing right now, every sinful behavior, every bad habit, every struggle, as we like to call them in life, is actually goes right back to your heart. And those books that we read help with habits. They help us to struck like better habits. But if we never address our heart, we'll never be healed. Right? Does it make sense? And so, so the Bible, like those things have maybe some elements of truth, but the Bible is completely true. Of course, Jesus said so. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Uh, but, but the Bible says this over and over again. Psalm 119, 160. Uh, the entirety of your word is truth, the psalmist writes. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. David uh, writes in, in, in 2 Samuel 7, 28, David proclaims, Lord God, you are God. Your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant, all right? So, so the Bible is different from other books that would say it wants to do some of that, straighten us out, get us right, uh, because it's true. Uh, but, but more than that, it's different from any of those other books, because not only is it true, it's alive. It's alive, right? The, 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 the Bible is alive. Listen to what the author of Hebrews writes. Hebrews 4.12 says, uh, For the word of God is living, and it's effective. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Right? The author of Hebrews writes, it's living, zoe, in the Greek. It literally means the opposite of dead. It refers to real life. Uh, it, 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 it brings up imagery of living water or vital power. And the, the, that's the Bible. The Bible actually has power in the Bible, which is crazy. Right? So you can read other books, and they're like, hey, you should try this, and do this method, and here's ten things you should try, or here's ten things you need to curb, or you need to correct. And the Bible's like, yeah, except you're powerless to do any of those. And so not only does the Bible tell us how to live, but it actually gives us the power to do so. The author says it's effective. Again, the word means active. Powerful. He says it's sharp. Uh, sharp means it doesn't take a lot. By the way, some of you are like, I I'll have to become a Bible scholar before God can change my life. No, the Bible is so sharp, the word literally means to cut in just one stroke. Do you know that you could open your Bible today with the hardest heart ever, going, I, I just don't believe God exists. I don't. But like you pray, say, hey God, okay, if you're real, speak to me. And you open the Bible, and God could literally lay you open right there in one stroke of the letter. And you go, oh my gosh, whoa. Do oh. you remember Peter? His first sermon. First sermon ever, Holy Spirit comes, and he just is like, yep, you killed Jesus, you crucified the Son of God. I mean, just the, the most basic gospel you've ever heard. Just the most, wasn't Billy Graham, wasn't, wasn't probably too special that day. And man, it says they were caught to their heart. That's what the Word of God does, right? It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It, it penetrates, he says. It, it penetrates to, to the point uh, of the separation of soul and, and spirit to penetrate it. It literally can pierce the hardest of hearts. It judges even our thoughts and our intentions of these wayward hearts. The Bible goes, hey, I know what you're thinking in the innermost place that you are. I know exactly what you're thinking. 
which, which, is, which again is rough. And you say, well, I'm, I haven't been reading my Bible lately. Maybe it's because it does that. It just lays you bare. <laughs> like, ugh. Right? But it's huge. These things are of, of utmost importance. The Bible is of utmost importance when it comes to bringing about genuine change and growth in your spiritual life. It's key. That's the first thing I want you to know. Right? That it is, it is key. Learning the Word of God is key to our spiritual growth and transformation. Second thing I want you to know and maybe this strikes you a little different, and that's okay. Uh, I want you to know that God places great value upon learning the Bible in a group setting with other believers. Okay? Now, next week, we're going to talk about studying the Bible on your own. Okay? So don't, don't think, well, the pastor's saying I can't study the Bible. I'm absolutely not. It, it's of mammoth, like, importance that you read the Bible on a regular basis and that you dig into it. We're going to talk about accountability with other people. So how, how is community involved, even in my personal study? We'll get there next week. Um, but, but, but learning the Bible. So we're talking about learning, not studying. Amen? Right? Y'all heard that from the very first point. So not just studying. So we're going to talk about Bible, like, personal study next week. But learning the Bible Yes, it involves studying, but it also involves practicing, which I'm more prone to do in a group of other believers, okay? And so, so I, I just want you to know, God places great value upon learning the Bible in a group setting with other believers. I want to start with our own example, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how did he want his disciples to learn? Okay, uh, Jesus often taught in large group settings. You guys remember all the crowds came to him? So he would teach the crowds, but check this out, Mark 4, 34. He did not speak to them without a parable. That was a season, right? Uh, he speaks to them in parables. But it says, privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. So, so he taught the crowds, uh, huge groups of people in parables, uh, but he broke it down and he explained it to a group of 12 guys. He broke it down and explained it to a group of 12 guys. And listen, that is crucial, that this, this model by Jesus of large group teaching, breaking down and explaining in a smaller group. I believe that's crucial to how we understand what we read about the early church in the book of Acts. Because the 12 guys that Jesus broke it down to, that he modeled this behavior for, are the 12 guys that started the church. Well, 11 if we're being technical, because Judas, right? Okay, but you guys follow me, right? Okay, so, 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 so. Jesus modeled this behavior of teaching in a big group setting and then breaking it down and explaining it in a smaller group. And then the guys that he modeled it with are the ones that started the church. So I need to enter into my understanding of Acts chapter 2 with a presupposition that the men that Jesus modeled this behavior with then, then instituted that same behavior into the church. You guys following me? Okay, so with that in mind, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 42, and I just kind of want to, uh, I want to go over these passages with you. Acts, chapter 2, starting in verse 42, uh, says this, and uh, remember, this is after Peter's first sermon, 3,000 people were added to their number that day. That number 3,000 should stick out when we talk about what they did, because you're going to go, wait a second, that can't happen, what they did. Those numbers don't match in my head. Okay, so, so we'll get there. So here we go. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. 
Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. When they broke bread from house to house, uh, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So, uh, started with 120. Uh, Holy Spirit comes, Peter preaches, now we're, we're 3,120. Uh, they begin to meet every day, and they grow every day in number. They grow every day in number. So uh, when we read our Bibles, we want to look for things that stand out. One of the things that stands out is repetition. So did you guys catch a phrase repeated in those, in those just five verses there? Anybody catch it? They devoted themselves. It says it twice. It says a tie. So in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Verse 46, every, uh, and then verse 46, it says, uh, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. So, so I, I just, listen, I, I'm going to read the Bible now with a presupposition that the 11 disciples who, were, who had ministry modeled for them by Jesus are taking that model and implementing it in the church because there's 3,120 of them the day that the church is born. Uh, they begin to meet in the synagogue, uh, right? And, and, and so they're, they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, but then they're also devoted to, to this breaking of bread. Uh, and it says that they're doing it from house to house, right? House to house. Now... Anybody think, now, now they're selling their possessions to give. So anybody have a home big enough for 3,120 people? No. And they didn't then either. Right? And so I, I just want to tell you the imagery that I get as I, as I understand this. And, and we see how quickly the church spread is that there was this large group teaching. And then as they broke down into homes, as they broke down into homes to share uh, bread and felt that that's not all they shared. That there was a, a, a it, it happens naturally. Jesus is with his disciples. He teaches a large group. Afterwards, they're going, Master, what, what were you talking about? So they go to the synagogue. And, and, and one of the apostles teaches, and, and he's teaching about the broken body of Jesus maybe that day. And they're like, I don't understand. And, and, and so then there's a breaking of bread. And they're in a home with less than 3,120 people. It's some kind of smaller group. Maybe it's 30, right? And they're in a home and somebody says, I, I don't understand what, what, what Peter was talking about when he said that Jesus' body had to be broken. And somebody says, well, okay, here, let me step into that. Let's explain what the Scripture said about our Lord, right? Does it make sense? So here's what I'm going to submit to you. It's my belief. It's my belief that God's intent for your life is that you would learn the Bible with other believers. That, that, that showing up in worship is of huge importance. It really, really is. But at some point, you need to process what you hear with other people where somebody can go, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I, think I understand what that's saying. Let, let, me show you, uh, let me show you in Scripture kind of my understanding of that with, with another teacher that can break that down. Uh, I, I spend about 25 minutes with you guys a week. There's no way in 25 minutes that we can bring about the transformation that needs to happen in our lives. We have to spend more time thinking about the Word. Does that make sense? All right? So, so, so this goes back to our... our, our uh, by the way, before I get to our core belief, I, 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 just, I, I would say I, I think we see this play out as Paul writes the church in Colossians, uh, or writes the Colossians, the church in Colossae. Uh, he says, Let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. 
through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So, so the word, he says dwell, that's, that's, a, that's an intimate word. It speaks about togetherness, and he says as you teach one another, right? So, so dwell is not like a big word, it's like a small word, it's like the people in your home, it's like the people in your house, it's a, kind of a, a groupy word. Uh, like I, I, I love you guys, I don't walk around in my pajama pants with you guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's with the people I dwell with. So I, I get home later. Like, the other day, I don't even remember what it was. I came home from something, and, like, I came home and went into my room, and I walked out. I think it was, like, 3 o'clock, and I walked out in my pajama pants, and Caleb looked at me. He's like, Dad, you're done? And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, like, that's the day. That's the day. It's cool. And we can do that because we dwell together, right? Same thing, guys. We, we, we've, we've got to have a group of people we dwell with, right? And the Word of, of God, it, it's dwelling in our midst together, and we're teaching one another and admonishing one another, correcting one another, challenging one another. So our, our belief, guys, uh, around here, and I, I hope, I don't want you tired of it, but I want it burned into your memory. It's transformation through the word in community. It's the best way to bring about change. So tra- we're, we're, we're changed through the word of God, and we, we think that happens best in community. So we, last week we talked about the need to worship together, corporate worship, how corporate worship changes us. This morning we talked about Bible study. We're going to talk about our, our need to be in Bible study with other believers, right? Next week we'll talk about personal devotion uh, and, and, and even, even an, a community aspect of personal demo, devotion, which I don't think most believers have, but we do need, and, and we'll get into that. So what do we, what do, we do with kind of that understanding, I'll give you three things. I'm going to let you go. Uh, number one, I, I think the challenge is just to get in the Word. Just to get in the Word of God. It, it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Uh, listen, our Bible reading plans uh, launch at the end of the month. So, so we pick them up from the printer, I think, Monday. So uh, new plans, we're going to start out in First Samuel. Uh, we're going to start in First Samuel because I'm about to, uh, in two weeks, we start a new series uh, based on the, the, the story of David and Goliath, but it's not just about the historical uh, study of David and Goliath. So, uh, but uh, with that, I-, I want you guys reading. I want you guys reading First and Second Samuel where we-, we read about David and we read about the conflict and, uh, and what was happening in Israel's history. And so we're going we're gonna to start there. We've got some great reading picked up for you. Uh, it- it's- it's- you'll read five days a week. Uh, you'll read one chapter a day. Um, and we'll have some journals. We're going to give them out, guys. We bought them last year, and we were like, hey, they're seven bucks a piece. And you guys were like, we're not paying seven bucks, so we'll just give them to you until they're all gone. Uh, but we, we want, you, you want you to read a journal. Next week, I'll talk about how you can have some community, even in that personal Bible study. But uh, we want you to get in the Word. So you don't have to wait till next week. Say, I don't know what to do in the meantime. Uh, read First John. It's five chapters. That's one week. And you say, what do I do the next week before the Bible reading plan? Read First John again. I promise it's worth it. <laughs> Just, just read it. There's, there's, there's five chapters. Read that for the next two weeks and let God speak to you and then we'll jump in uh, to First Samuel together. Uh, number two, I want to challenge you to get in a group. I want to challenge you to get in a group. Uh, I know that many of you used to be in groups. You guys used to be in Sunday school classes. You guys used to have small groups meeting in your home. We did all that stuff and then this crazy thing called COVID happened and it's still going on. It is still going on. Like I said last week, you have to figure out what am I comfortable with Right? So, so if you're, you're the vaxxed or the unvaxxed, you've got to figure out what your comfort level, maybe your comfort level is Zoom. Get in a Zoom group with somebody and study the Bible together. I don't, I don't care what your comfort level, you have to find other believers. It's necessary for your spiritual growth. Okay? You, you, you'll rot on an island. I mean, you will. You can tell me all day, me and God are good, it's just me and God, I don't go to church, I don't do this. I promise you, you're going to rot on an island. Okay? Your, your faith isn't going to grow. Okay? It needs to be growing. 
not just you. All right? So, so get in a group. Uh, we've got a couple new ones starting. So Wednesday night, um, we've, got a, we've got a new men's group that's starting Wednesday night, 6.30. Um, we're going we're gonna to jump into 1 Samuel. I said, you guys are going to read it. I'm going to be talking about it. So we're jumping into 1 Samuel with John MacArthur's uh, study on 1 Samuel. You can buy that. I think it's $9.99 on Amazon if you want to pick up the book. Okay? So that's going on. Uh, ladies are starting a study called Rooted in Grace. And I believe you can get it where? On daily... Just come. My wife says, just come. Just come. And, and you'll be taken care of. That's even better. What's up with the guys? Why do we have to buy our own stuff? Ladies just get to come. I bet, I mean, I, anyway, so, so that's, that's all right. So that's happening at 630. Um, listen, this morning, we, we've got Bible studies for, uh, for, for, for folks that have kids in the home. Uh, all, all you adults, you go upstairs, uh, up to the upper room. Uh, all our empty nesters, we've got classes for you. We've got an empty nester couples class downstairs. We've got uh, a men's class and a women's class. We've got stuff for kids. We've got stuff for you. Get in a group, okay? Get in a group. It's of huge importance. And then uh, lastly, I want to challenge you to start learning, not just studying. Uh, start learning, not just studying. Again, I use that word on purpose. Uh, because learning has to do with not just studying, but also practicing. Um, part of our, our kind of motto around here is that we want to love God, we want to love people, we want to do something. Um, that, that third part has to do with the fact that the, the Bible calls us not to merely be hearers of the word, but to do what it says. To do what it says. Every single day, if we're in the word, we've got something that day we could do to make the world a better place. Right? So we, we read the word and we're challenged like, oh, I'm not worshiping enough. So do it. What do I do, Pastor? You read the word. It said worship God with all of your being. And you've kind of been like, hmm, hmm, and worship. So go in the shower or in the car or whatever and crank it up and be like, just with all your heart. Just sing as loud as you can. Make, make the windows shake a little bit. Like, that's cool. Just do what the word says. It says love your neighbor as yourself. And you think, well, I'm going to cook myself a good steak. Cool. So take one to your neighbor. It's not complicated. It's not, like we think the Bible's so hard. It's not that hard. Just do what it says. I, I remember uh, a few years ago, we were uh, working through the Gospel of Luke together, uh, which a few years ago, it was a two-year process to work through the Bible. Y'all remember that two-year Bible study in Luke? You're welcome. God bless you. Uh, and, uh, and so we, we came across a passage that said, uh, uh, it was talking about giving your coat away. If, 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 you know, if you've, you've got an extra coat, give, give them your extra coat too. And so we were just like, all right, look, we're going to just do what it says. Everybody bring your extra coats. And so everybody brought their extra coats, and we took them to the elementary school. It was like one of the coolest blessings in the school. They, like, all, there wasn't a single kid that went without a jacket that year. Uh, we had parents. Uh, that was the thing that, that really kind of caught me off guard is how many parents needed warm coats. And they were going to the school just picking up worn coats. They, and we were just doing what the scripture said. Okay, it's just not that complicated. Learn the scriptures. That means that we study them, but it also means that we practice them. Okay? All right. Everybody good? Cool. Miss Catherine uh, has asked me to do announcements this morning. So I'm going to fly through these, and then we're going to let you go to Bible study if you so choose. So here we go.